You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hi. I'm Ethan Suplee. Welcome to American Blood. Outside of acting, my two favorite things to do are diet and eat. I have a very complicated relationship with food, and on this podcast, we're going to talk about all of it. Food as entertainment. Food as sport. Food as fuel. I'll talk to experts and the average person, just like you and me. I hate to ask you to do anything, but if you're enjoying the show, please take a moment to like, subscribe, rate, review, all of the above on whatever app you're getting it from. Returning to American Glutton podcast today is Dr. Will Cole. You can find him on Instagram at Dr. Will Cole. And today he is talking about his new book, Gut Feelings. Will Cole, welcome to the American Glutton podcast. Thanks, buddy, for having me back. It takes a podcast for us to catch up. I, I appreciate the opportunity. I know, right? We're both too busy to just Zoom for yeah. fun. We got <laughs> to do it for others. Yeah, right. Um, how are you? I, you know, I feel like the last time we talked, the world has changed. It's spun around in many different directions. And now and now here we are. Yeah. But kind of still, we're still fighting the same fight. We're still doing basically the same thing. Yeah. No, I, you know, I, exactly. So much has changed, but my mission's always been the same. And I think just different people are paying attention to it and different angles of, of this, of this conversation around people feeling the best. And I, I have to say that it's, I, it's bragging rights for me that I, I believe I was one of your first guests on your podcast and your podcast is amazing. And it's like grown to this massive hugely successful one but i i was one of the first wasn't i was i not you were no you were one of the very first so i i, I feel like i should have a plaque in my clinic here somewhere <laughs> that says like i don't know maybe not but no, yeah I think... I, we should we should do something like that <laughs> i i, I want to ask you because for for me i'm just seeing all this happen i'm not i'm having conversations with people and i'm trying to live my life in a way that um, that gets me to where I want to go or, or sustains what I've already achieved. That doesn't derail what I'm doing. 
And mm-hmm. now I look around and I go like, fuck, dude. Like, I guess if somebody is um, has been obese their whole life and, and has tr- made valiant efforts at trying to solve this problem for themselves that I guess one of these drugs, if they go on it thinking like, I'm going to go on this thing for the rest of my life because I cannot get a handle on it. I understand that. Mm -hmm. But when it's like being casually joked about on award shows that it's just the new way to diet, Mm. I get super concerned. Like I feel Mm -hmm. like that that's, um, that's going to create a whole new host of problems, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that there's a lot of um, confusion out there already around weight loss and feeling great. And my message and my mission for my telehealth patients has always been, all right, the, the weight loss resistance is telling us something, right? If that's a goal for you, you know, and maybe something else for some, you know, maybe fatigue and maybe brain fog and maybe anxiety and maybe depression, maybe a digestive problem. These are all check engine lights from a functional medicine standpoint. So, you know, the, the sort of mantra onto that topic at the clinic here is that you have to get healthy to lose weight instead of trying to lose weight to get healthy. And that's, you know, our culture, it's, it's the quick fix, that's just it's a bit thinness at all cost and really not dealing with why we have a weight loss resistance in the first place. So I'm not anti-medication. If somebody wants to use a tool for a time to kind of get past a plateau or for a season, like a short period of time, but what's the sustainability of it? What's the long-term impact of these things? And when you look at labs, you can really see the mechanisms that are at play here. So maybe it is leptin resistance. Maybe it is insulin resistance. So let's figure out what is the most effective option for them that causes them the least amount of side effects and is the most sustainable for them. So again, a medication may be a piece of that puzzle for a time, but it certainly isn't going to deal with the massive insulin resistant metabolic problem we're facing as a society. Right. And, and even to, to what you just said is like, there's a lot, there's a lot more to it. You know, if, if like for me looking at this, I, you know, I've done all manner of crazy diets where you just don't eat a lot of food. You eat, Mm -hmm. you eat next to nothing. You can lose weight very fast doing that. Mm -hmm. If that became so easy that I didn't have to think like if hunger was removed from that, I just see this this cyclical problem of crash diet, you know, like you talking about you got to get healthy in order to lose weight. Like that makes sense to me. And and it makes sense to me profoundly with mental health and physical health. Like, yeah, yeah it's going to be really hard to get your health in order and lose weight if you continue mm-hmm. eating McDonald's three times a day. That's going to yeah. be really tough. Um, it's also going to be tough if you, you know, check out and don't do any self-work. Like if there's no reflection on how you're behaving with foods, that could be a Mm -hmm. problem too. Like these are all problems that I just think like, you know, the marketing of a drug like this could have some rather caustic side effects. Yeah, it is. And look, I think that this, these are the complex conversations that I have to have with patients because they want the quick fix. Everybody wants it, but it ultimately is 
what is the sustainability of it and what's the effect of it, effectiveness of it for you? I have some people that take this medications that really doesn't do much for them at all. Uh, so ultimately, yeah, it, it, it's definitely true. And it's, but look, look throughout human history, just modern American history. This is not the first no, no. round. We can no. name all the medications that sure, are coming. We've had, yeah. I, re I remember the, the version of this that it seems like the most closest to something I actually did, because this mm -hmm. is all happening post when I feel like I've gotten my routine down. So mm -hmm. it's not interesting to me, but there was a, a period of time with something called HCG or HGC, yeah. something yeah, like that, where it was um, this thing and it's supposed to make you not hungry and increase your mm -hmm. testosterone and all of this. And you eat nothing. You eat 500 calories a day. And I, I did yeah. that a couple of times and I lost weight yeah. and then gained weight right back. Always mm -hmm. gained weight. And every time I did it, I lost weight a little bit slower and it was harder and I was more miserable. And then the weight always came back and it came back more. Like if I lost 40 pounds, mm -hmm. I gained 50 and I don't know. It's just an interesting thing. So I'm 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 glad I've chewed your ear on that for yeah. a minute because yeah, hey. it's been frustrating me because it it, mm -hmm. it seems like it takes that kind of dieting and just makes it easier. And I'm like, well, that kind of dieting, who has that worked for? Who loses that mm -hmm. and then gets off the thing and eats normal, quote unquote normal, and doesn't gain weight? I don't know of one person. Yeah, no, it doesn't. And I think, you know, time will tell. Like what's gonna happen here? I mean, you go that some of these like fads that come and go as far as medications, then we find out what are the long-term effects of these things, or or maybe it is completely benign, but it it will it's ultimately not going to make a dent in the massive iceberg of the the metabolic problems we're facing as a world today. So yeah, maybe people can use it as a tool within their toolbox, but ultimately we are just scratching the surface with these conversations with medications, you know. Yeah. 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 I was, uh, put on Fenfen as a little kid and, uh, that, that I was quickly taken off of it because I couldn't sleep when I was on it. But then, you know, a year later it was like, we're not allowed to, nobody's allowed to take this anymore because people are mm -hmm. having strokes. So mm -hmm. th there is that point too. Okay. Yeah. We've done this. Let's talk about gut feeling. Thanks. Tell yeah. me about it. Yeah. I mean, look, it's, a, it's a perfect segue because the, these are the, I really wanted a deep conversation that I get to have with patients every day at the telehealth center that I wanted to have with people that weren't my patients necessarily. And a really about this bi-directional relationship between what we eat and how we feel. And it, it's really a conversation in part about how in the West, we will oftentimes separate mental health from physical health, but from, from a functional medicine perspective and scientific literature, mental health is physical health. Our brain is of a part of, as a part of our body just as much as anything else is. So it's really a conversation of how underlying physiological things like underlying gut problems and chronic inflammation. And I see a lot of uh, mold toxicity, environmental toxicity, nutrient deficiencies, how these physiological things impact our mental health and impacting things like anxiety and depression, brain fog and fatigue. But then conversely, how these mental, emotional, spiritual things like chronic stress, shame, unresolved trauma impact our physical health. And it's I, I deal a lot with people with autoimmune inflammation issues and metabolic issues, weight loss resistance. You mentioned like the psychology of it. That's a lot of what I'm talking about in gut feelings of how how do our thoughts and emotions 
impact our physical health. And the science is clear. Our bodies are like cellular libraries and our words that we speak, our emotions, our thoughts, our experiences are the books that fit, fill up that cellular library. And I see so many people that get the food down right or doing all the things that are they're supposed to do within wellness, but are stuck at this plateau. And they have to deal with these feelings things of the gut feelings duality to really move past that plateau of regulating the nervous system, calming down those stress hormones that are keeping them at that plateau and in that inflamed fight or flight, sympathetic overdrive state. So these are big things unpacked, but I wanted to go there because I really see so many people kept back from their health goals, whether there is weight loss resistance that just can't overcome, or it's an autoimmune issue they just keep seeing flare-ups from, or they're struggling with brain fog, anxiety, depression. No matter what you're going through, both the gut and the feeling side, the physiological and the psychological, it has to be a both-and approach to dealing with these complex health issues. Yeah, it it, it seems like whenever we whenever we look at it singularly that for 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 me and this is i guess anecdotal but to your point whenever i tried to just address nutrition i would wind up failing and whenever i just tried to do it through like well i'm going to feel better about myself and eat whatever i want um mm -hmm. that that didn't work out too well either so i i think it is really it really is both Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know of, of of many diets or even books that are addressing both. Yeah, it's a. I I think that's part. Of, that's what part of the reason why I wrote the book because I don't think the world needs another food book. I, I really wanted the psychology, the, the psychology, the mental, emotional, spiritual component of it, just as much a physiological component. And these both sides are really important and. A, a big conversation that I'm having in the book is this problem that I'm seeing on social media that then trickles down to me consulting patients and people asking questions about it a lot are this sort of food confusion around kind of what you were inferring that sort of toxic diet culture on one side and then toxic what I would call toxic anti-diet culture which on one end it's that archaic kind of how we started this conversation it's like all about thinness eat less work out more take this medication because it's all about what you look like who cares if you're actually healthy when you run labs and then the other side is like this newer sort of rebound response this toxic tribalism on the other end of the spectrum that's like there's no such such thing as bad food and any any food changes are automatically labeled as toxic diet culture all in the name of body positivity which on the surface sounds so noble right there's so much virtue signaling around this conversation but look i talk to people for a living getting them healthy and the conversation that i'm having in gut feelings is this sort of middle approach this sort of both and of what I call food peace, where we can realize that there are some foods that will mess your blood sugar up, that will mess up your hormones, that will raise inflammation levels, that will hurt your mood. And avoiding those foods is not restrictive, it's self-respect. And on the other side, we're not gonna shame our way into wellness. And as I say in the book, you can't heal a body you hate. You cannot shame your way into wellness. So it's this sort of using food and wellness and self-care as a form of self-respect, which I think is the paradigm shift that will set people free from toxic diet culture. It's not just eating foods that don't love you back, like continuing eat to eat foods that don't love you back 
It's like staying in a toxic relationship for years and wondering why you're still miserable. Like we talk so much about healthy boundaries online and in our culture today, which I think is great. But the ultimate relationship you want to look at when it comes to healthy boundaries is with yourself. Yeah. Because from that, we can make decisions that do love us back, including food. Yeah, I think it's really uh, it's really interesting because I've been watching this and 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 it gets so bizarre on both sides where you have like vegans doing battle with carnivores, right? And they all have all this science on and 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 historical evidence and like a, a plethora of reasons why they are correct. Um, and then on the other side, it really is the like you may not restrict anything. And I just think of like, can we not, when you think of your body, do you think of it as like, like I think of my body when I'm thinking in terms of diet and stuff as like, it's, it's a, it's a machine, right? There's just some natural separation I make between like me and my body. And, Mm -hmm. and maybe that's weird, but like, I'm often frustrated with my body because it doesn't always do what I want it to do. Sometimes I want it to do this thing. But then when I look at like, Okay, what if I make some an analogy to like a little kid? Does a little kid do you, is it is a good parent a little kid that lets the little kid do whatever they want? If a little kid wanted to eat rat poison, would we allow the little kid to eat rat poison or would we as the responsible adults have to step in and go like that can harm you? Like I'm yeah. sorry, I'm going to you know, a little kid might want to juggle knives, but we're going to stop it, right? Mm-hmm. If 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 we're just allowing, you know, our our bodies to have every base thing that occurs to them. I would Mm -hmm. be doing nothing but eating like pizza and chicken wings all day long. That's what my body tells me. I see an advertisement for a big Mac and I, and my body goes, that looks delicious. You should eat that. And I have to have Mm -hmm. this little very quick now, but used to be longer in the past conversation about like, no, that's not appropriate food for me. I'm not going to do that. You know, I don't know why it has to be so much more complicated than that. The, yeah. there, there's so much evidence that broadly the American diet isn't going well for America. It's mm-hmm. it's just very clear. And 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 in that same breath, I don't want to say like, well, you should never eat bread. I don't mm-hmm. believe that. I eat bread occasionally and mm-hmm. and and processed foods occasionally, but like it's it's very moderate when I eat that. And yeah. and and I now treat my body like I I understand that if I want it to do what I want it to do, there's a relationship there where I, I can't mm-hmm. let it take over. You know what I mean? Like there's another yeah. factor at play here, right? And that's yeah. all the mental stuff. Totally. It's, it's a wild scene out there today, man. It's like it, the it of West. It's gang. It These anarcho gangs fight. <laughs> it, it is. It is the it is the gang, the, the food gangs, the diet gangs. And the reality is, it's like I love what you said. Like uh, something that I talk about with my patients, I wrote about in the book, is that to use food as use your meals as a meditation and a medicine. Because I feel you can just eat whatever you want, but ultimately eat it mindfully and take it as an inventory of yourself. Like be your inquisitive, be your own end of one experiment to say, okay, perfect example. My patient 
is out with her friends, right? And she's, you know, eating socially. She's going, has that food. She's eating mindfully, taking it and as a meditation. And she may find out afterwards that, she, you know what, that doesn't make her feel so good. It may be cause some bloating, some digestive problems, but the socialization, hanging out, living her life with her friends and family was worth it. Then drop it and let it go. Like shame is worse than any junk food. Or she may eat that food and say, you know what, that wasn't worth it. I now realize it. I I did that. My and I'll remember it for next time. I've grown an awareness for next time. It's ra- like you said. It's almost like a machine. It's rational. It's logical. You can come and go. There's a grace. There's a lightness to it. It's a, there's a, a lear- learning curve about your body talk. That's what I want people to do. Then it's not a list of do's and don'ts. You just right. can take feedback for yourself. It requires a. It does require, though, I think, a level of honesty that mm-hmm. I think w- was hard for me to get to because there 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 was a time where I ha- I was either or about anything. This was bad. This was good. Right. Mm-hmm. And I kind of had to do away with the idea of good and bad in general. Like I had to go like, is something absolutely bad? No, because I can think of like r- really outlandishly silly uh, um, instances where something that I would normally think of as bad could be useful to somebody, right? If you're Mm -hmm. starving on a, on a beach on an Island and a, a, a McDonald's airplane crashes and you haven't eaten for a while, eat the fucking Big Mac. Like, and what are you going <laughs> yeah. the Big Mac thinking I'm doing something bad? I'm eating yeah. the forbidden fruit. This is evil. What I'm doing like that doesn't make yeah. sense to me. Yeah. But, but it does require some level of honesty where you aren't lying to yourself because yeah. I know I, for, for many years was actively lying to myself and rationalizing things that, so that's where I think that, that, that I'm glad that you're getting into the the mental side because, uh, you know, along with having that conversation and being open to that conversation, it really does require some level of honesty mm-hmm. where we're not going to allow ourselves to get away with something. Cause you know, I did drugs for a long time and I could tell you every morning waking up with a bad hangover that I would go like, that wasn't worth it. I'm not going to do that again. And then I get to the point where I'm doing it and going, fuck it. It doesn't <laughs> matter. It's going to be worth it. And you know what I mean? Like in yeah. the of doing it. So, so it does require some conversation from a point of empathy and honesty. And, and I think the black and white lines and the absolutes, you know, I believe that the dose makes the poison. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like there's cyanide in apples in their seeds. Yeah. Nobody stopped me from eating apple seeds as a little kid. We could yeah. eat it's fine. Nobody was concerned. But if right. we started collecting the seeds and juicing them and, you know, trying to kill ourselves with them, somebody would have stopped us. Right. And it's there's so much bio-individuality with these conversations too. Like I think eating, like to your first point, like eating a food that doesn't love you back right now doesn't make you a bad person. And that's the difference. It's like, you just need to, is it serving you or is it sabotaging you and use that sort of mindful approach to eating. And then the second thing is you're absolutely right. I could think of any food out there that would be considered a whole food, right? That works for one person that doesn't work for the next person. So you have to be okay with 
flexibility, like intellectual flexibility with a lot of these things. Look, there's some foods that don't really love any human back, but like to use your example of like, are you on a desert island? Like, is there some place for, for, for sustenance or just survival? Absolutely. But I think it's okay to have this both and conversation where you can hold the truth that look, there's such a thing as clinical nutrition and science where some foods just don't work for the average American. But at the same time, like restriction and like shaming yourself into wellness does not work either. There has to be a paradigm shift towards the, anal the analogy that I use in the book is like people need to see themselves as like this Lamborghini, this sort of high end car or this whatever you're talking about. Because how will you feel yourself? How will you, where where will you park yourself? How will you live your life? And it, many people see themselves as the old jalopy, the lemon that's like, they just don't have self-worth. When people start to realize that they are a valuable creation, that will start to read. And that's not as simple as just making that overnight, but retraining your perspective on yourself, whether through breath work or somatic practices or EMDR, people with past trauma, these some these feeling practices that we implement for our telehealth patients, they can start to retrain their brain, retrain their limbic system to start making more uh, conscious choices that are not self-sabotaging. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's beautiful. I love the analogy of the car. It's like, you know, if your car whispered to you, uh, you know, but your gasoline car said, I'd really prefer diesel today. Would you put diesel in it? Even though, you know, the engine can't function on diesel. Like if your car, if at the end of every night, your car took all the, the gas left in its tank and stored it as weight on the car, which was going to slow it down for the next day, would you overfill the tank? Like there's all these, you know, are you going to put gasoline into a Tesla car because you feel like the car wants gasoline? Like the yeah. car runs on electricity. These are just, yeah. these are just yeah. simple, like little ways to think about it. Um, and I, I like this too, because it's like, okay, maybe you are the old jalopy. Um, and maybe you want the Lamborghini and, and the jalopy's never going to be the Lamborghini, but could you make the jalopy nicer? Could you put new tires on it? Could you reupholster the seats? Like you could yeah. do little changes to make driving that yeah. old jalopy a, a lot nicer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah. It, it, like it, this is a big point that people is both. And there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. concept that our culture just hates is that loving and accepting yourself as you are now doesn't mean you are or i should say this like loving yourself where you're at now where no matter what you look like doesn't necessarily mean you're accepting where you're at right now and that's a paradigm shift that people need to realize it's okay to like and even me, like who as a as a doctor that deals with these things, like I care for you so much that I want you to level up your life if you want that for yourself. So I think that this is a thing that I have a I think a problem with this or body positivity movement, which starts out with the best of intentions. But you know what they say about the the road to hell. <laughs> and like ultimately it's it's metabolic disorders, there's ultimately nothing positive about that. And it's because I care about my patients so much that I want them to live a thriving life. But it's not about weight. It's about at the end of the day, if we all ate the same way, we all worked out the same way, we're still going to all look different. We're still going to all be different sizes. That's fantastic. That's bioindividuality too. But our labs are going to look healthy. Like we're going to live a long, thriving life and be the best version of ourselves, not what society tells us to, this is how you're supposed to look. Yeah. Okay. So without going either or without doing the game that we're both seem to try to avoid, if you got a person who subsists primarily on fast processed food, right? What is your advice? Like what's step one in, mm-hmm. because, because there's more to it than just convenience. Like I hear a lot there's a lot of conversations about how you know people work and they have kids and like there's a lot that goes into the fact that they mm-hmm. they don't have maybe time and then there's a financial component which the financial component can be easily defeated it's always going to be cheaper to prepare your own food like in the long yeah. run you can do any kind of you can you can show that quite easily that preparing your own food is a lot cheaper so mm-hmm. that kind of falls apart but like you have the convenience uh, ideas around it and, and the time factors, but then you also get to this point where the 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 way that they're flavoring, the, the fact that when you're getting this processed food, you're getting something that's really loaded with fat and sugar and mm-hmm. and heightened with flavors. And mm-hmm. like, I, I don't demonize MSG. I'll even use MSG sometimes. But the fact of the matter is that MSG makes shit so delicious that mm-hmm. your body wants to continue eating it after your body's full. And so that is a real dangerous thing for obese people right? Who are trying to not be obese anymore. So fine. When you have all these considerations that a bag of Doritos has everything in it to make your body go, keep putting this in me forever. Don't ever Mm -hmm. stop. This is how we're going to survive. How do you turn that off? Because there's a psychological component there too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this is the, the science and art of the things that I need to consider with our patients. I think depends on where they're at, like where, what's their in, what's their entry point. And that gut feelings conversation that I'm having in the book, I can think of any different, you know, any person I've seen different entry points for so many different people. So what I mean by that is some people, the feeling side of things 
has to be at least lean towards. We have to at least look there because they're so in the thralls of self-sabotage that they aren't able to even get their head above that proverbial water. So for them, therapy and trauma work, if that's appropriate, or breath work, meditation, something to sort of create a a space around their decisions and more mindfulness around their decisions will be a great end for them. Their nervous system is so reactive and hypervigilant And they're such in the deep neural habits of self-sabotage that they don't make it very far. Even if you set them up for success in the kitchen and they fill a fridge up and all that stuff, they're going to go and drive and and pick up the food somewhere else. The, uh, and then there are other people where they are, they really, the feeling stuff scares them. They're very reactive. What does this have to do about weight loss and health? Why do you want to talk about my past trauma? How could that even have anything to do with my weight loss resistance? And they're very just not ready. You just plant a seed for those people. And then you give them the prescriptive. These are the foods that are most likely to love you back. These are the foods that probably won't love you back. And then you just are with them as you're coaching them. This is what I do to really get them to the place of seeing results, which motivate them. And typically they want to keep doing the things that make them feel good. And you're seeing the needle move in their life. And that's encouraging to them. So it depends the people's entry point for most people. It's going to be a bit of both. Like you have to deal with the feeling side and the physiological gut stuff, for example. But I mean, I guess that is a good physical entry point for many people is dealing with their gut health. Cause that is messing up people's cravings. It's messing up their mood. It's messing up their blood sugar. So if you want to talk about the physiological mechanisms of why people crave the things that they crave and and really why most diets fail for most people, we as a world have some messed up microbiomes, messed up gut health. And when you could start at least calming some inflammation and creating some blood sugar balance by dealing with these upstream root physiological components, then you can at least get some headway and some weeks and and months under your belt to give their body enough time to see some changes, which again, creates some resilience and stability. So I don't know if they answered your question, but there's a lot to unpack. It depends on what the person's up against and what they're ready for and what bridges they're ready to cross. Yeah, no, you did. And, and, and that's cool because I, I find when the majority of the time I try to eat foods with one word ingredients, right? Like it is just this thing, right? There's not a bunch of components to make it this thing. And then you can take those things and like, obviously a salad has more than just lettuce in it, right? It's, if, if you're being creative at all, but One day spent like in an airport where I've for some reason not packed my food for the day and I'm tired and I haven't slept and then my flight gets delayed and I see I'm going to be in this airport for six hours longer and I cave and I go to the thing and I go, what's going to make me feel better right now? Well, it's clearly going to be these chips and this other process thing, right? And, And then I'm eating that one day like that can make it much more difficult to get Mm -hmm. back on the right path the next day. But if I get four or five or six or a week of eating the way I know objectively makes me feel better under my belt, then having that day is Mm -hmm. much easier to avoid. So I like that time component that you're talking about because it resonates with me um, that there, there is a, a modicum of faith, right? Because I think going from processed food to quote unquote whole foods is, is, 
it can be difficult because shit just doesn't taste as good. If we're being honest, yeah. it's just, you know, it's, it's not hyper inflated with flavor. Yeah. You know, there's, I mean, there's a reason why they call a lot of these, these foods that are refined and processed packaged designer foods. I mean, they are very much designed to be highly palatable, really addictive for a lot of people and taste really good. Um, but ultimately, I mean, this is the thing that how, how when you teach people how to cook and you don't have to be an aficionado, you really can make some easy shifts. I have like 50 plus recipes in the book that are most of them are very like one pot, like soup, stews, easy stuff. But the, the when you start teaching them how to go to the grocery store and buy these things and cook and he said meal prep and plan, you're really setting your week, week up for success. And the thing is here, it's nutrient density. When you get some weeks under your belt of nutrient dense foods that are bioavailable bio too, like your body can absorb them, you're giving your body the satiation that you need to make healthy neurotransmitters, to make optimal you know, hormonal function, to regulate your blood sugar appropriately. There's a certain physiological resilience to use that sort of machine analogy that you used earlier. Like if the machine's well-oiled, then things are not going to go awry so much. You're going to operate more consistently throughout the day. Yes, there's still a psychological component of it, which is what I really that's the, why I wrote the book is because you have to deal with the gut and the feelings, but from a physiological mechanistic standpoint, if we can create some stability with some nutrient dense foods and working on these upstream root components of why we crave what we crave, people just aren't weak. They aren't just like, like losers because they keep craving these foods. There's, there's an upstream root reason, which I think gives people a lot of grace. Like, oh, wow, it's my bacterial overgrowth in my gut. That's making cross talking with my brain, causing me to crave these designer foods. Like the odds are stacked up against people in our culture today. So when they know that and can start repairing the things that are causing these cravings, there's a lot of, you can break that cycle. You can break that addictive cycle. Yeah. And I think that uh, there, there's something to that where, you know, uh, if, if I set out um, my calories, if I, I like to keep track of my calories, but if I, if I look at my calories one day and it's stuff I bought in the periphery of the grocery store, right? All around the, all my one word ingredient foods, vegetables, a piece of mm -hmm. meat, a fruit, whatever it is, mm -hmm. whole grains, which I eat. Um, and I, I put that up against a bunch of processed foods, which is going to be much smaller in volume. Mm -hmm. And, but it's not just that I'm, my body's technically getting the same ration of energy, but I, there is something about the lack of nutrients where I know if I eat the processed foods, I'm going to be more hungry and I'm going to overeat. And mm -hmm. I think that like just just knowing that there's other stuff in this mm -hmm. food, right, in the vegetables, in the meats, in whatever it is that you're losing in the processing that then your your body's trying to make up with just consuming excess energy. So like mm -hmm. if you eat a salad and get a certain amount of calories from the salad and you put that up against a bag of chips, your body might tell you, keep eating. We haven't gotten what we need out of this. Mm -hmm. You know, like yeah. I, I really do think there is something to that because you throw up my 3000 calories a day in one word ingredients versus a bunch of processed shit. And I will be hungry at the end of the day of eating yeah. processed shit. And I will be full at the end of the day of eating one word ingredient foods.
Yeah, absolutely. And, ma- and many people, again, there's this um, this uh, overwhelm of even where to start with like, I'd never have cooked for myself. How do I do the- these things? So I think just being curious enough and to learn to do some things, di- do, do th- some things differently. You don't, again, you don't have to be... A chef. I'm not a chef. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not, I don't know the culinary techniques for all these things. You really can do simple things. And 99% of my patients are just everyday regular people who are learning this stuff. And I think that's the overwhelms sometimes can pe- keep people back because they feel like, oh man, like I don't even know where to start. But when you start leaning in and your why is bigger than your excuses, you can start getting enough to repeat myself another uh, enough weeks under your belt to start seeing some changes which then becomes this sort of self-fulfilling prophecy because you want to keep doing things that make you feel good. Yeah. It, it does take, I think, a modicum of faith. And then it takes some diligence because it's not easy to go from the most tasty, like, you know, it, I, I just think about like our ancestors and how starved they were for pleasure that once we put pleasure on every street corner, it was just like, of course, people are going to overdo this. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like that was a once yeah. a year experience that you can now have five times a day. Of course, <laughs> yeah. there's going to be a problem here. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if if instead of um, if the, the solution to the uh, opioid epidemic was like, well, supply all these junkies with as much dope as they could possibly do make that make it limitless like we're going to see people dying in even mm-hmm. more record de- degrees than we do now you, you know what i mean like th- yeah. that isn't a solution and i understand that for the longest time people were their famine was real like people were starving to death and there are still people on earth today, starving to death. And if you presented those people with, you know, enough money and, uh, you know, every single store and shop and every point of exchange that they had in their lives was providing them with cheap, easy calories, you would see obesity there too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're absolutely right. We just have to, and that's really at the heart of a lot of research is that it, that what researchers call an evolutionary mismatch, you know, our genetics haven't changed in 10,000 plus years, but yet our world has changed so much in such a short period of time when you're putting that into context with the totality of human history. So this epigenetic genetic mismatch is really at the heart of a lot of different problems and decreasing that chasm between our DNA, which hasn't changed that much and the world around us is really how it's, it's at the end of the day, it's how human health will be regained. If you look at it from an ancestral health perspective, not to say we have to be cavemen, but I'm saying use the best of modernity, the best of science, but really in many ways, science is catching up with antiquity that most, like for example, I mean, all the founders of modern medicine said. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.
the health health begins in the gut. Hippocrates said that all disease begins in the gut. Paracelsus said the same thing. So these 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 things that are somehow seen as new really are uh, quite ancestral, and we it can start to eat foods that are that our microbiome, which we co-evolved with, uh, all the trillions of bacteria in our gut, that influences our brain and what we crave. If we can start decreasing that mismatch between genetics and epigenetics, our body, our, our machine will start, our, will start to opt or operate the way that it was designed to. Yeah, there's there's so much great stuff going on right now, I think, with um, depression and, mm -hmm. and gut health, where they're showing like a very clear corollary. Yeah. Um, and and like, I think the only thing blocking this from being truly mainstream is they don't have a pill to sell us yet. You know what I yeah. mean? Like it really is just, well, you can, you can increase this by just eating cabbage. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you can, like, this is solvable with a little yogurt and yeah. cabbage or something like that. You know yeah. what I mean? Like some that, prebiotics and probiotic. Yeah. Right. It's 100%. not so complicated. Um, So mm. it's still not a big mainstream thing. We are kind of at the point where it's like, if it's not in a syringe or it's not, you know, being dispensed at a pharmacy, it's not going to be super mainstream, but a lot of stuff can happen just by changing how you eat, like you can have a radical transformation, not even physical, just mental. You can change the way you feel about the world by eating yeah. different foods. It's wild. Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, to, to touch on some of the studies that I talk about in the book, like these opportunistic, I see a lot of dysbiosis with patients, bacterial overgrowth, yeast and fungal overgrowth. The these opportunistic and pathogenic bacterial overgrowths are like weeds overgrowing in this gut garden because of this evolutionary mismatch, and the the metabolites these these back that these bacteria produce are impacting blood sugar, impacting the way neurotransmitters are expressed, causing people to crave these designer foods that don't love us back ultimately, and it's causing a whole dysregulation in, in the body. But you're, you're right. Their studies are clear that certain colonies of types of um, lactobacillus and bifidobacterium, these beneficial probiotics, causative level, meaning it's like the true underlying causative mechanism that lower levels of these beneficial bacteria are what are driving anxiety and depression in people, let alone this inflammatory component, something called the cytokine model of cognitive function. Cytokines are pro-inflammatory cells. So it's researchers looking at how does inflammation impact how our brain works? How does inflammation impact brain health? So it is um, it hugely important. But again, when people can, people get, when people can get their head above that proverbial water, they start to, it starts to click. It's aha moment. They're not gritting their teeth. They're not like restricting themselves and like starving themselves, injecting themselves. There's this freedom and awareness around it where there's like they could take it or leave it. They're less bound by those cravings because they started getting their machine in a well-oiled place by dealing with both the physiological and the mental emotional side of how we operate as humans. Yeah, well, the, the, the starving yourself without addressing nutrition at all that just to me will is the craziest like your body is screaming for more for a reason there's some reason your body is screaming for more and and whether it's mental whether it's just you know it could be that uh hedonistic pathway where just because it's there your body's saying well you should eat it fine there's a reason your body's screaming for more 
if you don't address that at all and you just starve yourself, you're now in a state of starvation on top of starvation because it was already over hungry. Mm-hmm. And now you're just comp- compounding that, right? Mm-hmm. It just seems to me like a shot to turn something off and I'm not going to address what I'm eating at all, which really is what that drug says it can do. You can still eat at McDonald's and you'll lose weight because you're going to throw up if you have the third bite or it's going to make you sick to your stomach or you won't want to eat it for some reason. Your body's going to be freaking out and there's just going to mm-hmm. be some part of it that's switched off. Well, that's only going to last as long as it's being switched off. Mm-hmm. When you turn it back on, it's going to be pissed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. So I, hopefully people from this conversation can get like some aha moments for themselves because it doesn't have to be, you know, there's so much confusion out there. And I think that to shed light on these topics, to give people reasonable, sustainable ways to feel great, because people want to feel great. And, and I ultimately we can cut through some of that confusion, hopefully. Yeah, I think so. And I do, I do think that it, it, it does require a little bit of discomfort, but the discomfort is in search of more comfort. You know what I mean? Like more comfort is the, is the goal, right? And, and it might take, it might be a rocky road to get there, but you're going to get there. And once you get there and, and God, if you, if you start doing this and you're, and you're really doing it for weeks and weeks and weeks and you see no progress, then yeah, go get checked out because maybe something else is wrong. I don't think anybody should do anything that's just miserable all the time. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Cause I, and there's a place for labs, you know, if people are doing the things that they've researched, they know is right for them, then look at labs. Cause I do see people kept back from like, like say like low thyroid function, right? Like there's so many thyroid problems that get missed on labs so much because you're looking at it. So many people are looking at it from a conventional standpoint. In functional medicine, we're looking at the optimal, not the average range. So, for example, I see low T3 syndrome a lot. Uh, and the T3, the thyroid hormone, the active thyroid hormone is T3. That makes your metabolism function well. That also makes your mood. Your brain is rich with these thyroid receptor sites too. So, so I see people that are in the throes of food, you know, addiction and hangriness and insatiable cravings. And they're like gritting their teeth, like willpower alone. I'm trying to fix all this stuff and doing all the things, but it's these underlying hormonal problems. It can be way more than just the thyroid hormone too, but just to use that simple example, well, 80% of the thyroid hormone is converted in the liver. 20% is converted in the gut, in the microbiome. So it may be a gut problem that's inhibiting the conversion of T4 to T3. And until you get that conversion of the thyroid hormone, working well, it's going to be an uphill battle. And I see so many people that are just like, it shouldn't be this hard. Like, why is it so hard for me? Well, oftentimes we can find what are the roadblocks that are making it way more arduous for you. And it may be thyroid hormones for some people. It may be, you know, leptin resistance for the next person. It may be an underlying gut problem for the next person. I mean, who knows? Or, you know, unresolved trauma that's keeping the nervous system in a hypervigilant state or a combination of all those things. But the reality is back to kind of how I started our conversation, getting healthy to lose weight instead of trying to lose weight to get healthy. Yeah. I think that that's a a really great thought game, right? Because it is Mm -hmm. often the other way around where you're thinking Mm -hmm. like, I just want to lose weight to get healthy. Like I, I know that wasn't really my goal in the beginning. Health for me came way later and I have I have been doing everything to optimize health lately. I'm eating 
you know, I've, I've been super hyper-focused on fiber. Like I want my gut to be happy. I want my, my blood to be sparkling clean in every area. And there was a while where I was consuming way too much omega-6 and almost no omega-3. And I've now reversed that and everything, everything got better because of that. Mm -hmm. I feel better and it's great. But, but like, yeah, to your point, like it really shouldn't be miserable. I think anybody losing weight, it's going to be a little uncomfortable. Like mm -hmm. your, your body's going to fight you a little bit, but it mm -hmm. doesn't have to be like, you don't have to be faint every time you stand up. You don't have to be right. mad all day long. You don't have to be um, a guy who cannot go out and see people socially because you just don't have the energy. It doesn't have to be that. Right. Absolutely. You're so right. And that's the paradigm shift I want people to have. It's like ultimately all this stuff, like it, it can be learning new things, changing things, hormetic things like good stress on the body is definitely a learning curve and it's an experience curve for many people because you're doing new things. And sometimes doing doing new things isn't doesn't happen overnight. Um, but ultimately, it this what I see is people have increasingly brighter lights as they regain their health, where it's it's like the weight loss for many people. It's like an afterthought, like it's like a good pat on the back, but they just feel so good when they're doing it the way that I'm talking about, like they're working on vibrant wellness and that's their why. Then then when they start feeling better because they're nourishing their body, they're healing their gut, they're lowering inflammation levels, they're balancing their blood sugar. Then all of this, like it's a natural byproduct of radiant wellness is that their metabolism going to be where it's supposed to be for them. Man, they, everyone at the end of the day will still look different, but they'll be the best, healthiest versions of themselves, which if there's weight loss resistance, that's going to be remedied over time. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. I'm super hopeful. This is a beautiful thought. I can't wait to read your book. Your book. And this was Thanks, a, a really nice conversation that I think will help people. Thanks, buddy. Thanks for having me back. I appreciate it. Absolutely. And now for the Q&A. Today's question comes from Shannon. Hi, Shannon. Shannon says, I have never been at a typical healthy weight. I've always been sort of chubby. I've been working with a nutrition coach and personal trainer for several months, and I feel like I may actually be able to attain a healthy weight. I don't know of many people who have struggled with weight who have worked to reach a healthy weight and then maintain it long-term. You always hear experts say those folks are extremely rare and statistically it doesn't happen, happen often. How do you defy the statistical evidence and quiet the voice reminding you constantly that the odds are for long-term, the odds for long-term success are stacked against you? I mean, that, that, that's the whole game, right? Is main, like, I really do think anybody can lose weight. I don't think losing weight is so hard. I think maintaining weight loss is the hardest thing that anybody can do. You know, maybe not the hardest thing, I, you know, I suppose uh, girls, and I don't know if Shannon's a, a, a gal or a guy, but like girls give birth and have babies. And that seems pretty hard to me. So, but you know, we're surrounded by cheap, delicious food and uh, it's hard to maintain weight loss. I, you know, healthy, um, healthy is a, a, a kind of an odd metric to use because I think any 
weight loss from somebody who's quote unquote overweight will increase health metrics, right? But then there could be other stuff like, you know, maybe you have to eat more fiber and, and less um, saturated fat or something like that to, to improve your uh, cholesterol once you've already lost weight. Maybe that's going to be a metric that you have to work on that really might not have anything to do with weight loss at that point. But if we're simply talking about weight loss, my recommendation is to do it very slowly and to focus first and foremost on habits and changing your habits with regard to how you eat. Because if you think of your weight loss as um, a short-term thing that once you get through it, you're done losing weight and there will be no gaining it back without a plan to keep it off. That's, I think, where the failure happens. Um, and if you can build periods of time into your weight loss journey, that's the most typically used word, I think, journey, where you are maintaining your weight and taking a break from your diet, I found it goes even easier then. And then you have the skills to you, you're learning in those moments how to maintain weight loss. Like that's part of the, the big point for me of doing a maintenance period is this is what life is like, right? I think quite often, you know, or many times in the past, I would think about a diet and I would think when this is over, I'm going to do X, Y, Z. And X, Y, Z was always like, eat something, right? I can't wait to be off this diet and eat pizza again. Well, that's very much going to be the thing that puts weight back on. So if you think about how do I have to eat for the rest of my life th that I will be able to maintain my sanity and keep this weight off, like what, what does that program look like? How are you, how, you know, how do you do that? I think that's, <laughs> you know, there's a thousand different ways to lose weight. You can pick up any diet book and read it and follow it and lose weight not one of them are really giving you a long-term plan to keep the weight off because they just don't, they don't, nobody's tackled that really from what I've seen. Um, <clears throat> many, many instances you'll hear it's lifestyle change. It really is like you, you have to change your life. And I always hated that. Um, those words, those words bother me still. They still make me uncomfortable as I say them. But they're very true because the weight's coming back if you don't live your life differently. The way you were living your life caused you to gain weight. If you don't change that, just losing weight is going to do nothing in the long term. Um, and it's kind of rough to hear and it's a lot to think about and a lot to um, consider and, and a lot to confront. You know, many people can get like – defeatist about loose skin, just having loose skin would be like, I can't, I'm not even going to do this. It's not worth it. If I, if I have that as a result and that's fine. I, I understand that feeling. I felt like that many times and you know, many people also don't want to have to like rearrange their entire lives and I get it. You know, um, I had to do that with drugs and alcohol and then I had to do it again with food and I put off doing it with food for over a decade 
thinking I could be the guy that didn't have to do that, wanting to be the one guy who didn't have to change everything drastically. And it turns out that's not the case for me. I wasn't that miracle guy. I had to change my life drastically. Like the way I live my life today looks nothing like it did back then. And, and so I think those are all things to take into consideration when thinking about long-term success. I love this answer. And I love every time you remind everybody, because it's always a, a reminder to me, but I just like when you remind that it's like, it's, yeah, we can all do, we can lose weight. That's not the hard part. And so to her question of like, how do I beat the odds or how do I, you know, do what everyone says you can't do? It's like, you're explaining this is how you do that. You, you know, slow and steady wins the race and paying attention to these new habits you create and changing your life. And it is so much more than just, I'm going to lose this weight. And then, and I know that feeling too, I'm going to lose weight and then I can eat again. Like, no, you not that way, you know? So anyway, I really love your answer and yeah. Yeah. I, I also think that, um, there can be the inclination to go like, I'm going to do a radical lifestyle change right now. And I'm going to just tomorrow wake up and be a different person. And I I don't personally think it works like that. I think um, you could probably sit down and spot a lot of areas in your life that require change to facilitate this. And, and you could go through all those and make plans for all of those things on how you're going to not do them and what you're going to do instead. You know, like, uh, as an example for me, it would be like, um, you know, the evening would be rough for me. I'm, I'm, the day is done. I've gotten everything I need to get done, done. And I'm now like, I have a couple hours to relax and watch TV. And I'm, was always eating when I did that. So Um, we got rid of cable television. We don't have that. We watch very little TV. Now I used to just be able to sit and watch TV endlessly. I do not do that anymore. And I do not eat when I watch TV. And so those are some of the, the little parts of my life that are very different now. Um, I think it's hard to really spot everything on day one. But you, you know, over time you might find like, oh, here's this other thing. I hadn't even thought of this, that every time I do X, I wind up eating Y and that is screwing me up. And so really you have to stop doing X. And how do you do that? If X is a big part of your life, how do you find a workaround to that? You know, I don't know what Shannon has going on and I don't know if Shannon's a gal or a guy or what they have going on in their life right now, but like it. I I think it requires a lot of work and a lot of patience and a lot of intention. Like this is what I'm going to do. I am going to radically change the way I live. I, I, I I realize this can't happen in a day. It's going to take time and effort and I'm going to put real, real work behind it. That's pretty awesome. I am curious how it goes for you, Shannon. So please keep us posted and let us know. Thank you so much for your question. And if anyone else has a question they would like Ethan to answer, you can email it to us at AmericanGlutton.net. Thanks for listening to this episode of American Glutton. I'm Ethan Suplee. You can follow us on Instagram at American Glutton Podcast. Sincerely.